0: Welcome to That Anthro Podcast, the podcast dedicated to anthropology. Together, each week, we will be learning from the experts and researchers that are researching our pasts and today's problems. My name is Gabriella Campbell, and I'll be interviewing a new guest each week to bring to you the latest and greatest in anthropology, based right here out of Santa Barbara. Join me for weekly episodes, whether you're an anthropology buff or looking to learn something new. Welcome to That Anthro Podcast. All right, everyone, welcome back to That Anthro Podcast. Today, we're joined by Megan McGrath. I'm super excited. One of the lovely people that I've met through the internet. Megan is originally from Ireland, um, but did um, her Master's of Science at Bradford. And today, we're going to talk all things bioarchaeology and her path and what she's up to now. So welcome, Megan.
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: I just wanna start by talking about kind of like your experience growing up in Ireland. I honestly just love hearing about everyone's different like cultural phenomena growing up. I just feel like it's so fun. So what are some of the things from your childhood that like stick out, favorite things about Ireland or maybe just like something about your culture that you love? That you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: I think the thing that makes my childhood distinctive in Ireland compared to like other places is probably that I did my entire education before college through Irish, not English, which even in Ireland is weird. Most people learn entirely through English so I think that was like a weird thing that we did but my mom did it all her siblings did it so she wanted us to do it as well and I'm glad she did because you know it's something I'm very proud of I don't use my Irish much anymore but I am proud that I have it um But yeah, there's that. I don't know. I always thought my childhood was like normal compared to like the rest of, maybe not the rest of the world, but you know, like compared to like England and America and, you know, similar countries. Um, And it wasn't until I like got on TikTok recently that I was like, oh, it's not normal. (laughs) Like I keep like getting recommended like Irish mammy TikToks and I'm just like, oh, this is like an Irish thing. This isn't a universal thing.
0: That's really funny. Oh, that's just how life goes. We feel like we're the normal ones. And then all of a sudden you see something, you're like, oh, that's not, that's not how it go. <laughs> that's not, that's not everyone. Um, yeah. we were talking about the show Dairy Girls before we started recording. And I mentioned that I'm hooked on that. Um, uh, but it was interesting because I actually didn't know a lot about the troubles time. So it's been fun to like learn it through like a show that kind of like touches on it but doesn't like actually talk about it. Um, I mean, they kind of do. Anyway, everyone go watch Dairy Girls. It's really good. Um, So what was your kind of like foray into humanities, into anthropology, into like being interested in digging up things in the dirt? Because, you know, I feel like we're a very special kind of people, (laughs) archaeologists and bioarchaeologists. And honestly, I feel like everyone has a very similar story. So I'm excited to kind of hear how you got interested.
1: I think probably... I I can't remember where exactly it got started, but probably a big chunk of it was the TV show Time Team. I'm not sure if you guys get it in America. It's a British show that like essentially just follows a group of archaeologists and every week they're like excavating in a new place. Um, So I used to watch that a lot as a kid and that's sort of like how I learned about archaeology and stuff. Um, and then I kind of went off of archaeology, like when I was really, really young, I, was like, I want to be an archaeologist. And then I went through the I think a lot of kids go through the like, I want to be a teacher phase just because, mm. like, that's the profession you see the most growing sure. up. So I was like, yeah, I to be a teacher. And then I was looking at a colleges and I was like, oh, archaeology, whatever happened to that? <laughs> Screw this whole teacher thing. Let's go into archaeology instead. And where did you do your undergrad? Uh, University College, Dublin. OK, cool was a fun place to do archaeology it's it's a pretty good university they have a whole experimental archaeology thing going on there which i didn't really partake in a lot i wanted to but it kept clashing with other things but uh yeah they have an interesting setup there
0: really beautiful campus too i actually looked at that for undergrad i had a brief moment where i was like i could go international for my undergrad and then i don't know what happened to that i mean i just everything fell into place the way it needed to but um do you have any like distinctive things that if someone's like visiting Ireland or just the UK in general that you're like you have to do this this is my favorite thing or favorite like site I feel like there's a lot of archaeology that you can go visit in the UK um I'm not really sure like archaeology wise not
1: really because they're always like in the middle of nowhere obviously they're in the Mm -hmm. middle of nowhere and i feel like it's sort of inaccessible and when people are visiting you know usually it's like for a week or something so i wouldn't be like go out of your way for a day to see Mm -hmm. the hill of tara which is mostly just a field with weird bumps in it (laughs) that is archaeology apparently yeah (laughs) you know but like i do recommend going to the national museum of ireland because that's where like all of our stuff kind of goes it's free to enter and also they have. Um, of viking skeleton and some bog bodies there so obviously I enjoy that
0: oh bog bodies are so cool will you just briefly tell our listeners what they are really quick
1: so bog bodies are essentially when someone dies and is buried or placed in a bog I think the ones in the museums were sacrifices or they were like prisoners or something that were killed um and because of the, I guess, whatever is in a bog,
0: <laughs> the my, it's the microorganisms. It's Thank you. It's yes. an anaerobic. It's an anaerobic environment, so there's no oxygen, and it basically like makes the bones like bendy and, <laughs> and like preserves the outer really well yeah. like the skin and the hair and even like tattoos but the inside is kind of like
1: it almost looks like because they're one of the ones in the museum is um dissect uh, not dissected like trans yeah there's a cut in <laughs> words i can't it's that the the legs are missing from it because they presume at some point when they were uh cutting up the bog that it you know just got removed and Mm -hmm. has gone somewhere over the centuries or whatever but because of that you can sort of like see a cross-section of the inside and it almost looks like it's stuffed you know like it just doesn't look like organs or anything it just looks like it's been stuffed with something it's so yeah
0: and it's because like no bacteria can cause the decay so like the inside and this is I guess I probably should have done like a trigger warning I guess this is a little gross but like the inside kind of just like liquefies and is Mushy, but the cool thing about bog bodies is, is that they preserve the outside in such a unique way that makes them really fascinating. Um, to get like a more full picture, because obviously when we just have the skeleton, we just have the skeleton. So this time you don't really have the skeleton; you have the outside, but it's still like a really fascinating case in bioarchaeology. And if anyone's interested, I did research on it, and what was that? the there's like. A really famous one. Um, I have to look it up because I actually want. I can find it really easily because <laughs> I did a whole paper on it. Um, 180B. Oh, there we go. There. Because I did a whole, I did a whole essay on it, and that's why I remember all of this. Tallund man, Tallund man. Uh, which was excavated in Denmark so there's like a little if anyone wants to dive further there's some really cool bog bodies to look into.
1: Yeah I always found them really interesting as a kid because they're like they look like leather you know because it's like tanned the skin's been tanned because of the bog and everything and their hair is the ones in the National Museum in Ireland at least their hair is always red which is not because they may have been ginger in life. It's just also because of the bog. But I always love it when like tourists go by and they're like, oh my God, they're ginger. And I'm just like, not really, but okay.
0: You're like, as a ginger. (laughs) Uh, Fake ginger, actually. Really? Oh my goodness. Well, it looks very natural. Yeah, my my dad and my brother
1: are actual ginger. So I think I probably have the complexion and everything Mm -hmm. for it. I just didn't get the hair, God damn (laughs) it.
0: back to like your journey to it's university college Dublin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, cause I always want to say like the opposite one, the way that UCL, like, I always want to say that, you know, cause that's just like what comes to my brain. Um, what was your kind of like, what was your experience like there? What were some of the classes that kind of furthered you along your path? What were, you know, the most impactful moments during your undergrad?
1: Um, I got a lot out of my undergrad like when I went into it I knew I wanted to get the most out of it that I could Um, so I went on Erasmus for a year to Czech Republic and that was pretty awesome it was interesting as well because like they have a really different way of looking well not a different way of looking at archaeology more just like they specialize in, in different things in different areas of the world so obviously I got sort of a bonus add-on to my education. It wasn't just the same things I was learning at UCD. It was different. Um, I think probably I also at UCD um, did, I got to go to Greece for two weeks. So I did classics as well as archeology. span And uh, we had a class where we just went to Greece for two weeks and they basically just showed us like all the sites we'd ever learned about in classical studies. And we had to like write a paper afterwards. But I was like, I don't care. I got to go to Greece for two weeks. It was amazing. Yes. Um, So yeah, I just like tried to take advantage of all of the cool things they had to offer. But the one class like I'd been desperately trying to take since first year was a forensic anthropology elective because it wasn't a part of archeology. span It was a part of like the school of medicine or mm-hmm. something. And because of that, it obviously just kept clashing with everything because technically we weren't supposed to take it. But I was like, no, I need to take it. And then it wasn't until my fourth and final year that I got into it. And then that sort of set me off to do my masters and everything. But yeah, yeah that one was pretty good.
0: Did you go to Greece after your experience in the Czech Republic?
1: <laughs> yeah. So. It was the summer between the Czech Republic and going into my final year of school, which was sort of complicated because you're supposed to attend like pre-trip classes during the year just to like get to know everyone else that's going on the trip and like learn about the itinerary and everything. But I was not in the country. Mm. So I just had to keep emailing back and forth with the professor being like, is this
0: okay? Can
1: I still go? Yeah, but yeah
0: so that gap year in, or not, sorry, not gap year, your study abroad in Czech Republic, um, what was that like? Had you ever been, like, in, like, Eastern Europe before, or was that, like, a fully new experience for you?
1: Oh, it was, like, completely new experience. I'd never been anywhere like that before. I'd never even lived away from home, because my university's only an hour away on the bus so I stayed at home so it's the first time like having a like living in dorms having a roommate being in a foreign country and like I am not the best at social situations so it was like a little stressful but I got lucky and I made really good friends at the beginning so the whole thing was a little easier but it was a great experience and I uh, I really liked it yeah
0: I know you mentioned that they kind of approach archaeology differently there is, could you elaborate on that and kind of some of the lessons that you took back from a different approach to archaeology?
1: Um, I'm trying to think. I think it's more just in UCD and in Ireland, they tend to teach a lot of Irish archaeology, landscape archaeology, geophysics, like stuff that we use in Ireland, which makes sense because presumably that's what they're training you for. Whereas when I was in the Czech Republic, it was a lot more like it was kind of similar to how they teach classics Mm -hmm. in the sense that it was a lot more here's this site or this city that we've uncovered. Here's what they've uncovered. Here's the stories they tell about it. It was more uh like descriptive uh kind of telling sto- like how archae- how we learn what archaeology tells us about stuff whereas in Ireland it was a lot more like here's how we do things and mm-hmm. you know here's here's this and that so like yeah I think it was technical.
0: just
1: yeah I think it was just sort of a, a different approach to archaeology kind of thing it Was yeah. interesting
0: that's really exciting um it's really cool too that especially like I feel like when you're in Europe it is so fun to travel around Europe do you have any like anywhere in the world um like bucket list places that you're dying to travel to next
1: I really want to go to my two like biggest places I want to go to but probably won't be the next because they're expensive is um Japan and Egypt are like my two big ones
0: You You have to go to Japan. I loved Japan. Honestly, I'm taking anthropology of Japan class right now and I could cry at just how much it makes me want to, want to go back. I swear the people in Japan, it's just like different. They're so kind and it's such a vibrant culture. I mean, not, that sounds like I'm saying other cultures aren't, but I, I don't know. There's something about it. It's the very community oriented and very just like respect oriented. And I think that it's one of those places that I would say everyone needs to visit in their life because it's, it's really cool. And then Egypt, of course, all of us archeologists are just dying to go to Egypt.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, I took, when I was on Erasmus, I took a beauty and Japanese thought class. It's like one of my electives, and it was kind of just like it was more just kind of how the thought process about things is very different in Japan and like you know all of that I can't remember it very specifically but I did find the class very interesting but yeah I think it's just like Japanese culture is just so different from Mm -hmm. anything I know and it's like so fascinating I really want to one of my friends really wants to go as well and I was like if we go we have to go for like three months or something, yeah. because it's so expensive. I'll probably never go again. I just want to go. I want to see everything. I want to do everything and then have no regrets. Like come home and be like, yeah, I did. I did Japan perfectly.
0: Yeah. I think honestly, that's probably a really good plan because you need that much time to do everything. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um, so We You already kind of mentioned that you ended up pursuing your master's, which congratulations, you've gotten it, you did your dissertation, you go, I am just starting my master's, so the thought of like being done with it is kind of intimidating (laughs) to me, but that's really exciting for you. It was, what, maybe a couple months ago that you finished? How long ago?
1: Yeah, so I submitted January, and then I got the results like two weeks, three weeks ago, something like that, yeah. That's exciting
0: that's really exciting um, so tell us about your time at university of bradford what you what was your dissertation on
1: so i did my dissertation on the uh, bioarchaeology of care focusing on like roman britain and a roman british population sort of thing yep that was it uh, bradford is pretty cool <laughs> it was like stressful when i was looking up universities cuz when i did my undergrad it was like i want to do archaeology i live next to Dublin city so there's like two three universities maybe that I could have gone to and honestly I was more concerned that I just wasn't gonna get the results I needed to get in because I wasn't worried I wasn't gonna get like the overall results I needed it was more just a lot of them required the over foreign language and I kept failing French so I was oh. like I'm never gonna pass French I'm never gonna get in like that was my main stress and like UCD was like the top of my list and then Trinity was afterwards because I couldn't I think I couldn't do like all the classes I wanted to do together, like they wouldn't let me do archaeology and classical studies or Mm -hmm. something like that. So I was like, that's my second. But when it came to picking my masters and picking Bradford, it was like so much more stressful because I if even if I'd stayed in Ireland to do it, I would have had to move anyway, because Cork's the only university that teaches osteoarchaeology in Ireland. So I was like, I'm going to have to move anyway. So I might as well look at the UK. And then when I was looking, there were so many places to do it and so many universities and I like barely knew anything about osteoarchaeology. So I was like, I don't know, like, what's a good thing? Where's a good place to go? Thank God my friend went to Bradford the year before me. So she was like helping me. She was like, these are some of the things that maybe you should look at and all of this. And I was like, I'm just going to apply to your university because that one looks good. But I applied to a few others as well. And then got Bradford. Thank God. I'm very happy with that.
0: Yes, very exciting. Excuse my not knowing the geography of the UK, but approximately like how, where is Bradford located like in, in relation to Ireland?
1: Bradford's sort of, <laughs> I don't really know where it is in location to It's kind of in the middle of the land mass. It's near Leeds and Manchester. Okay. Like the two sort of big cities near it. It's also sort of close to York as well. So that sort of Midlands Yorkshire area is where it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I appreciate I'm always trying to like get a better grasp on geography. Actually, fun fact. This is like the most random thing ever, but I feel like you and like our listeners will appreciate it. In my sixth grade class, we had to draw a map and not like a map on a piece of paper, a map that was the size of like one of those old maps that you would roll out of the world. And we had to hand draw every single country and label them and color them. And honestly, I think back at that time and I'm like, that was the coolest thing ever. Like we had to check one of those giant maps out from the library. People can't see what I'm doing with my hands. I'm talking like <laughs> a five foot by like six foot map. And we had a piece of paper and we had to like do little lines and like copy it over. But honestly, I'm constantly appreciative because I have a very good like general understanding of geography and I've met some people in college I think it's probably particularly an American thing that'll be like what where's Alaska where you know where where's all this stuff you know just like things that make me like a little scared but I'm not going to be judgmental I'm like how do you not know that but that was so funny when you just when I just thought of that I haven't thought of that map in so long and having to draw it all out and color it and then we had to memorize all the countries. (laughs) Oh, so funny.
1: Yeah. it was like, I was trying to tell when my friend was asking me like where Bradford was when I like first said I was going, I was like, to be honest, I don't know. I didn't really pick the university for its location, <laughs> but I had to like look it up on a map because I was like, it's in the UK. The UK is next door. That's all I know. Yeah. But you saying like Americans not knowing where Alaska is reminded me of, when I was on Erasmus and we had I had a few friends from America and they were like asking me about Ireland and Northern Ireland and like how that all worked in like the UK and they were like kind of confused about it and my friend and I were like trying to explain it to them but like without a map to pull out it's kind of difficult to be like Ireland's here and then Northern Ireland's on top and so eventually I like came up with a system for explaining it I was like so America is the UK and Canada is Ireland and Alaska is Northern Ireland. Alaska is ta- attached to Canada but it belongs to the US. I was like that's sort of how it works. That was the best thing I could come up I think with. That's a describing. pretty good metaphor. But like I understand when like they don't get it because it is confusing and I'm sure there's you know geography and then political boundaries of other countries that like I completely don't get either. So I wasn't like to, so yeah. some people get like annoyed when when people don't understand the thing and I'm like it's not that you know big a deal to not understand like yeah. where country boundaries and stuff are
0: mm-hmm. um, is there for example when you went to University of College Dublin I imagine it was sort of like for example in the U.S. we would say like in-state tuition like some sort of less tuition because you are an Irish citizen. Is that kind of the case? And then is it similar when you went to the UK, or is it just one flat price for, t- for tuition for anyone?
1: So yeah, um uh yeah Irish people pay less in tuition and then if you're a member of the EU or the yeah of the EU, I'm fairly sure you pay the Irish price for tuition or mm-hmm. you pay like a I'm pretty sure it's you pay the Irish price. And then if you're like American or something, you pay an international student fee, mm-hmm. which is significantly more. But from what I remember, is still significantly less than American <laughs> school fees. Oh, yeah. A lot of the time. And then when I went to the UK, uh, it was sort of confusing because I was starting January 2021 and mm. Brexit was coming into effect like the first of January or something like that. Um, So like we kept getting emails about like, oh, if you want to like have settled status, you have to be living here before Brexit comes Mm. into effect and like all of these emails and stuff and I was getting really confused, because I was fairly sure that like, because Ireland and England have always sort of had a connection, even Mm. before we were part of the EU and everything I was like, I'm fairly sure that's still supposed to be in effect but I wasn't Mm -hmm. sure and so I had to keep emailing them and they're like yeah no no you're fine you're fine you're essentially a home student you pay UK student fees yeah but like even they on occasion got confused and like weren't sending me international student documents Mm. or sending me home student documents but I was like technically I'm a home student but there are some international things I need to Uh fill out Yeah, It was probably just because it was like that transition period and everyone was confused about what was happening.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really interesting that your master's of science was in one year. You know, I think I actually knew that that was pretty common in the UK, but um, I actually didn't realize that about your program. Do you feel like, well, I suppose you don't have anything to compare it to, but to me, it seems like that would be quite quite a fast paced environment. You know, for example, I'm trying to imagine the master's program I'm about to start having to crank out a dissertation within a year. What do I even want to say? How, how did that make you feel? How's your mental health? Are you good girl? (laughs) No. Yeah.
1: Essentially. No. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, stressful to be fair i hadn't really thought about it because i hadn't really realized two years was a thing Mm -hmm. like we can do it in two years if you want to as like a part-time student Mm -hmm. um but yeah i kind of forgot that there was an option in some places to do it over two years um but yeah it's a little stressful essentially it's like well obviously mine was off because of covid so we started in january instead of september so everything was a little messed up but um Essentially, it's like a normal school year of like two, you know, uh, September to December term and then a January to May term or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then over the summer, you'd do your dissertation. But yeah, it gets kind of stressful in like the second semester Mm -hmm. because you're simultaneously like trying to do all your classes and your assignments and stuff, but they're also asking you for like proposals for your dissertation and like PowerPoints about what your dissertation is gonna yeah. be and like all of this stuff. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to figure out like why people in Chate Hoya buried their bodies under their beds. I don't yeah. also have time to like figure out my 10 year plan for the rest of my life. Can we, can we hold off please?
0: <laughs> you're like, I just, I'm just trying, just trying my best. Yeah. Um, what is the site that you just mentioned, Çatalhöyük? La Hoya? Tell me about that. So
1: it's I was writing a whole essay this in second semester. Yes. It's a um, area in Turkey that they've excavated I've, I've always found it really fascinating because um, all the buildings are sort of like touching one another. and as far as the archaeologists can figure, people had to walk up a ladder onto the roof and then walk across the roofs and down to like get to other areas which I find fascinating
0: um like all the houses were touching there were no streets like every single house was touching I think there may have been like sort of neighborhoods okay you know like maybe like
1: blocks you know kind of thing but yeah for the most part like the houses in one area were all touching one another. There's no streets. They figure you had to go up and like around, which to my makes my archaeologist brain be like, "What are the implications? Does that mean everyone like got along because you're walking on top of someone's house to like get to the other person's house? Like, presumably that means society like got along." Like all of <laughs> these things just run through my head when I think about it. But uh, I also find the osteology of the site really interesting because they have um. they buried people under the houses um, like in areas which they think may have been like raised sleeping beds they had people buried under them as well but from like studies and stuff they've done they're pretty sure that the people who were buried under the houses weren't necessarily related to the people who lived in the houses as well so it wasn't even like your granddad's buried there it was like Joe so from down the street is buried under your ass and I was just like the whole site is weird and interesting
0: that's really cool I like that I let there is another site uh go gobleki Tepe, in yeah turkey that's really cool um I was gonna say something about it and I lost my train of thought my life in the mornings is losing my train of thought I and I'm gonna cut this out of the episode, but. Um, I think that I developed ADHD later in life um, and lately in the past couple of months, I've been really struggling um, with keeping my focus. So yeah. I do
1: the same thing when I'm like tired or over caffeinated. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Just give me five minutes for my brain to catch up with my, my mouth.
0: Yes. Um, if you don't mind, my dog has gotten into something. Can I just deal with her for just <laughs> yeah, like no one problem. second? I'm, I'll mute myself. I'm so sorry. Oh, I wanted to talk about, and this is so random. So I I saw this on your LinkedIn, but um, it got me really excited that you were part of the Harry Potter Society at University of College Dublin. And um, I just think that's so cool because I want to know what the Harry Potter Society did because I feel like I've heard of like, like, you know, movie watching clubs, I've heard of, like, Quidditch clubs, but from the description um, that I saw on your LinkedIn, I'm just curious, like, what was this Harry Potter Society? Uh,
1: Yeah, so, I don't really know how to describe this. Um, (laughs) Essentially, it was, like, we watched, we watched the movies across, like, the whole year, so being Mm -hmm. spread out we'd watch them uh, one of the movies every couple of weeks but then we also had like weekly coffee mornings for like an hour or two once a week which like usually devolved into us discussing completely like separate topics Mm -hmm. like it was never like a this is the harry potter society so you have to stay like on harry potter topics it was just a chance for people who have one similar interest to like come together and chat and like you know, develop friendships and stuff. Most of my friends
0: are from the Harry Potter Society, actually. That's awesome. Just a good community space.
1: Yeah, Uh, that was kind of it. It was more just, like, we all like Harry Potter, so let's come together and, like, just learn more about each other and, like, other things that we like. Um, But we did, like, we did a Yule Ball in November every year, so we, like, rented out this castle, and we all went and dressed up for the night and had a yule ball. That
0: was crazy. I've never been more jealous of anything in my entire life than that. You rented out a castle,
1: did you say? Yeah, it's pretty good. Well, it's like a hotel that's yep. in, in a castle, but yeah. Wow. It was fun. And then we'd go to London and like do the studio tour and stuff and then oh, you know yeah. go to musicals and things just for a few days. Um, but we also did things like... Um, <clears throat> We have Relay for Life in, in Ireland, which is like for 24 hours, you get a group of people together. And for 24 hours, you basically like walk uh, a track, like in a circle doing a relay. So someone on your team has to be walking the track that's uh, you know, at least one person from your team has to be on the track at all times, but you can like swap out whatever. And like every hour had a different theme. So like, you know, one hour, like someone's dressed up and then another hour you'd have like a silent disco going on and stuff like that. So we'd be like out on the football pitch with like all the other societies from the university doing this and raising money for good causes and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just, yeah, a real community space and stuff. I was actually really proud of the group because the year that I left was whatever, like when I left university that year, <clears throat> it was like when everything sort of went down with JK Rowling and like all of that stuff. And it was sort of up in the air about like what the society was going to do. Um, but they sort of collectively decided they were like most of our members and committee members and everything are like a part of the LGBTQ plus community. And if we like sort of shut down, you know, it's that doesn't really send a good message yeah. either. So they've sort of been doing events. They, I know they were doing events with like the LGBTQ society at the university as well. And that year when they held the Yule Ball, it was online because of COVID. So there wasn't any expenses for the Yule Ball. So all the money they got in for it, they gave to a transgender um, society in Ireland to help with that. So I was very proud of the little group and the work they were doing and stuff. Yeah, Yeah.
0: it sounds like it's a really great, not only community space, but space where people are trying to, you know, make the world better, which... That's what we need more of, you know, like you were saying, we can have a fun and common interest that we bond over initially and then get to learn more about everyone's humanity and what they may need. And, you know, yeah, the stuff with JK Rowling has been um, has been tough to kind of navigate and to still, you know, have a love for Harry Potter, but I think it's possible to separate the two. Um, Have you had the chance, you mentioned that you guys went to some musicals. Have you seen The Half-Blood Prince? Or no, that's not what it's called. It's called The Cursed Child. The play is called The Cursed Child.
1: Yeah, I I went to see it a few years ago with my dad and my brother. It's actually really funny because it's really difficult to get tickets because they have like this whole online system thing like we were on like multiple computers like trying to get tickets and everything so my mom had said she was like it's too difficult to get four tickets for all of us just like get one for you and your dad and your brother and like I don't have to go see it and so we ended up having to do that but funnily enough she met the daughter of the woman who plays Professor McGonigal while she was in a cafe waiting for us while we went Uh, to the musical so I don't know how that happened but um yeah we went to go see it It was pretty good. It's funny though, because I'd read the like screenplay beforehand and I had hated it. (laughs) Oh, because I was like, I have read fan fiction, you know, like terrible tropey, horrifically written fan fiction that is like better than this and makes more sense in the continuity than this does. Um, But I was kind of like, oh, I just want to go see it anyway, because at the time I was like, huge and way bigger into Harry Potter than I am at the moment but um I'm glad I went to see it though because it's literally like a magic show mixed with a play like I still do not understand how they did half the things that they did in that like when they apparate and everything they like actually disappear I'm like what is happening
0: yeah I actually have heard that that it's very magical I mean but a Harry Potter musical should be magical so I'm like glad that they kind of like you know they got it Um yeah. I'm gonna switch directions completely for this next question. And like I apologize, this is just how my brain works. Um, something that I also saw on your LinkedIn was that you worked for the Wicklow County Council's Heritage Department. Um, and I think it's so important to really like learn about heritage archaeology and community-based archaeology. What was that experience like and what were some of the lessons that you kind of took from that?
1: Yeah, so it was a really interesting experience. I was mostly in the office <laughs> um doing officey things the whole time but it was still sort of interesting just to see and to understand like what the council does in regards mm-hmm. to archaeology and also I sort of gained an appreciation for how limited they are in what they can do like it's so easy to be like oh my god I can't believe they like built a bank on top of that you know mm-hmm. big viking site in Dublin like how could they do that and yada yada but it's like you know it's easy to give out to like the people who give planning permission and everything but like you kind of have to remember that they're limited in what they're allowed to do and what they're allowed to like hold you know they're not allowed to hold back on big projects that could be great for the community a lot of the times just because of archaeology and that sucks but it's also not their fault so I sort of gained an appreciation for that and I also sort of learned about some of the work they do to try and like help with planning permission because it's a lot of what they do is like planning permission stuff uh, associated with like heritage and things so like looking over planning permission proposals and like trying to figure out if they're endangering any archaeology if they're like gonna be near anything was part of what I did when I was there and then also there's like the community outreach and stuff. So UCD, the university I was at, has an excavation up at um, Glendalock every summer. And for two weeks, they have the community come in and excavate. And then for the following two weeks, they have the students come in and excavate as well. So while I was there, I was helping them sort of plan the community part of the dig when I'd done the student part of the dig like two years previously so it's kind of cool to see like the other end of it yeah and like all the things they plan and they have kids come into the site um during heritage week as well to sort of like do a mock excavation next to all of us doing like the actual excavation and stuff so it was sort of interesting to see like the planning and stuff that goes into all of that before it happens
0: that is really interesting and I'm glad that you got to do that um now you are going to be entering the the job market and starting your first archaeology training position how are you feeling about that are you getting excited for a little move
1: yeah I'm really excited I'm also like really nervous I have no idea what I'm doing Mm -hmm. but um yeah I'm excited excited for the move and You know, to be having a job in archaeology, I feel like really blessed to have been able to get a job in archaeology. I'd convinced myself that when I finished my master's, I was going to have to, you know, go back to working in retail or something for ages before I found anything in archaeology. So I feel really lucky to have this. And I feel great that it's like a trainee sort of job because I'm someone who... I need feedback and I need supervision because if I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing, I will panic (laughs) and that is not a pretty sight. So I'm glad there's like sort of a structure to what I'm doing and I feel like it's going to be a good start to whatever I end up doing next.
0: Yeah, that's really exciting. That was kind of the last question that I have for you, but um, I always like to end my episodes giving you the opportunity to bring up anything that we didn't mention or that you want to elaborate on. Um, Or you can ask me a question. That's also something fun that people have been wanting to do at the end of the interview, but that's also like puts pressure on you to like think of a question. Just kind of like, is there anything else that um, A, you want me to highlight about, you know, you or your work or that you kind of just like want to expand on? Yeah, are you excited to be
1: starting your undergrad the next stage in your journey?
0: Yeah, I'm so excited to start my masters. Grad. Yeah. Um I I've really wanted to move to the East Coast uh, for a long time. I feel a bit more akin to kind of the vibe there. Um for example, in California, people will just like park their car in the middle of the street and just like get out and like not care. I like efficiency. I like a bit more of a quicker pace, and I think um, the East Coast will kind of be a bit more of that for me. Uh, just like culture-wise, I think everything's a little too slow moving in California, and it's a little like go with the flow, which is great, but I've lived here for so long that I'm ready for the change. And then honestly, the fact that I get to work with such like accomplished bioarchaeologists that are really respected. I was originally interested in forensics and kind of like took a um, made my decision that bioarch really was more uh, more up more up my like what more up my alley. Um, particularly, I'm really excited because my advisor, Dr. Temple, Dr. Daniel Temple, he works in a lot of different places, and for me that's really important because I didn't really want to just join. A program that was so like narrow-minded on one research question, one area of interest. I really like that. Um, I'm gonna have the opportunity to really find what research project will be best for me. Um, and then also, uh, Dr. Hagen Klaus is there as well, and he's. He's a really, really a bioarchaeologist that I look up, up to his work and have read a lot of his work. So even though he's not my main advisor, um, I'm already going to be taking a class with him my first semester. And I'm really excited. It's like sacrifice in bioarchaeology. And those are things that I love. So I'm really excited. It seems crazy that I've already like registered for um, my class in graduate school without having gotten my diploma <laughs> yet. Um, and I'm just like trying to find housing. But I found some people that I'm really excited to live with um we're just trying to find like the right house well thank you so much for chatting with me today I'm glad that we finally got to chat in person and thanks for sharing your story with our listeners
1: yes thank you for having me it's been a very fun time